You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Hour 2 of Real Presence Live. Uh, Nick Medelsky and Father Jason Kern here at St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. And boy, the two of us were talking during the break. We could have just let Steve go. Yeah, he's a great <laughs> guest. I, all of our guests. And the one, the next one I think is going to be in a similar vein. Just really great interviews uh, and really exciting information and, 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 uh, and stuff that they're bringing forward for the church to consider and to pray with. Absolutely. And our next uh, guest is a name you've probably heard a million times if you listen to Real Presence Live and uh, Real Presence Radio. Um, he's on uh, EWTN. I've seen uh, videos on the Internet as well. Uh, the very, uh, very well-known Mike Aquilina. So thank you for joining us this morning, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. For those, um, you know, handful of listeners who aren't familiar with you, could you uh, let our listeners little know a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I, 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 I write books mostly, and uh, most of the books I've written are about the early church, uh, the first century through the, through the eighth century. I'm very much interested in the fathers of the church, I'm um, I'm interested in the way the church developed in those years, and I think we have a lot to learn from our earliest Christian ancestors. Absolutely, and that kind of follows naturally from our our last interview with Steve Ray because we were talking about baptism and how the uh, fathers of the early church really uh, helped to develop the theology of that and and uh, tease that uh, idea out about baptism and a lot of the the theology behind it. So. Uh, it follows quite naturally to go into this interview. So, um, as you said, you do write books, and uh, you have a new book coming out called uh, How the Early Church Evangelized, uh, Friendship and the Fathers. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what that book is about? Sure. I, I, I mean, uh, we take so much for granted. Uh, we, we just assume that certain things are part of human nature, uh, where when that's just not true, that, that Christianity did introduce so many great things into the bloodstream of civilization, you know, institutions like the hospital. There was no institution that was anything like the hospital until Christianity founded it. Um, right. Well, you know, uh, there was certainly a hunger for friendship, and there was friendship before Christianity, but it was, it was a, a, a tough thing to work out. What we don't realize is that... Um, is that Jesus Christ revolutionized friendship when he looked at his disciples at, at the Last Supper, and he said, I have called you friends. He told them that they were no longer slaves or servants. He was calling them friends. Now, this is God incarnate, God taking flesh in order to call, to call mere mortals his friends. This is something that Aristotle had said would be impossible and this is something that, that, um, that Latin writers like Cicero also said was impossible, because in order to have friendship, they, 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 they insisted you had to be equals. Both parties had to be equals. Right, you had to right. have the same amount of money, the same social standing, uh, you know, the, the same opinions on everything. <laughs> right. And yet here's God. What could be more unequal? What could be more disequal than that? And, and, and God himself has befriended us. So Christians had this attitude that they were here to do what Jesus did, to imitate Jesus and befriend the entire world. Now, the interesting thing is that that was their method of evangelization because they had nothing else at hand, nothing else at their disposal. They didn't have access to media because there were no mass media as we know them today. There was no printing press or electronic media or anything like that. 
you know, there was, you could stand up, I suppose, in the public square and try to get a hearing that way. But since Christianity was illegal and was a capital crime, you'd be executed the next day. So people tended not to do that. Instead, they spread Christianity by means of friendship. That's how the gospel went, went abroad, from one person to, to the next. Uh, and it was usually to the people next door. That's powerful because so often in our culture, you know, we we live in a casual age where everybody can kind of be friends, but they don't really have any commitment warranted there. So part of what you're doing here is telling the urgency of, of how to evangelize is through friendship, it's through relationships. What inspired you to write this book on friendship? Why? How did you see it as an urgent need in our culture today? Well, first of all, because, because uh, you know, if you... If, I don't think you need a longitudinal study in order to show to, to show that um, that uh, social isolation is increasing and friendship is on the wane. Uh, many people have observed this, and again, the studies have shown it to be true that people report having fewer friends today than they did 40 years ago, and 30 years ago, and, and even 20 years ago. That this the number of friends we we have that we you know we we, we report having has been dropping. For, for, for decades now. And this, as we're supposedly the world is becoming smaller through social media, we can have 5,000 friends on Facebook, and yet we don't have a single person we could open our heart to, a single person we can confide in. And that's, that, that's the case with at least a quarter of the people in our country. The situation has become so dire in England that the government has established a ministry of loneliness to deal with the, the health um, outcomes of this terrible situation. So I think that we're returning to a time where friendship is something extremely rare, mm-hmm. where those, those conditions are disappearing, and I think that we Christians should feel convicted because of that. Because if this is happening in our world, in a supposedly Christian society, then we're failing at our task of imitating Jesus Christ. Beautiful. You know, I work in a seminary uh, with college men, and the reality is, Mike, is you're exactly right. These men don't know how to just have human relationships. They don't know what it is to have authentic friendships, and so they they they're learning. And it's it's kind of a, a case study of humanity. You know, when you get yes. a group of fifty men together and tell them, "Hey, form friendships and develop relationships that lead you to Christ," they're kind of yes. looking at you like, "How?" You know, like they, they just don't do it. Like, can I go on right. social media to do that? How do I get there? And so, um, the the fathers give that example right they but it is important because i think you're right to talk about friendship this way because often you know we we think about like i mean you know how many friends do i have on facebook 400 right like i have all kinds of friends except none of those people really know me uh, right it's, it's only the ones that i really form that depth of life with and then can talk about the truth of my own struggles or my own journey to uh, whether it's to relationship with christ or just of how i'm getting through life what what things i need uh, that can only happen in, in close relationships and authentic relationships so and and so how how do you think you know i mean you you kind of already talked about how it's shaped um the generations but how do you look at it as different from maybe you know 10 20 30 years ago and and or even longer as it is today well i i don't know the causes but the but the studies seem to show that people are reporting having fewer and fewer friends as as time goes on and as i said uh, something like a quarter of americans um and it's much higher for males, report having no friends at all. 
Mm. Uh, That's a quarter of the people around us. So there's this epidemic loneliness. And as I said, in England, uh, they've noticed that this has consequences for public health. Um, so, so it's a costly thing, but it's a cost. It's it's far more costly personally when we think about these people living in loneliness this way. Uh, that's something that that the early Christians were, were willing to take a chance on. They were willing to make themselves vulnerable by forming friendships. And think about the vulnerability. If Christianity was um, uh, illegal and was a capital crime, you could be denounced if people came to know that, uh, that you had faith in Jesus Christ. This was something that was illegal. And yet, they took that risk in order to share their faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And they succeeded wildly at it over three centuries, during which the, there was, the, you know, Christianity was a capital crime. The faith grew, the church grew, at a steady rate of 40% per decade. Forty percent per decade. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen that kind of growth in a long time. Right, so right. I, I think that we have something to learn from them, and it's all based on friendship. Because again, friendship was the only medium they had for for spreading the gospel. Yeah, and and the reality is, is it's the most essential one. We spend so much time in social media networks and trying to broadcast YouTube videos or things like this to reach, you know, quote unquote, the masses, the the wide audiences, and and, and we're we're wasting a lot of time where we could be building authentic relationships with people, because that's really that that hunger of the early church is the same hunger now. Maybe it's ever more as you're as you're articulating because of the the so many people have fallen away from being known, being cared about, feeling like they, they really are, are um, in, in, a, in a place where they can, can share themselves authentically. I, I wonder about the causes a lot, too, and, and we, that's a whole other topic. But the reality yeah. is, is, is the, the opportunity is there for the church. And so how did the fathers do it? I mean, it, did they only just tell people about Jesus? Or as you kind of talk about friendship, what, what, what steps did they take to build those relationships? Well, in my book, I try to show that they did it in every which way. You know, they did it however they could. Um, My favorite chapter in the book is um, is, is a a writing by an author uh, hardly anyone has heard of. And he's a a man who wrote at the end of the 100s. So we're talking the second century, very early in Christian history. And his name was Marcus Minutius Felix. Hmm. Nobody's heard of this guy. And he wrote (laughs) only one. He's only, he's, he wrote only one book that has lasted down the centuries. But, but the, the great thing about it is that it's this, it's this memoir, it's this novelistic retelling of, um, of a weekend vacation he took with a couple of his colleagues. The three of them were lawyers. They were, they were from Africa, but they were all three of them working in Rome. Marcus was a very prestigious lawyer in the city of Rome. Now, Marcus and, and one of the companions, um, uh, Octavius, uh, they they were Christians. The 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 third man, uh, Cecil, was pagan, and so the 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 story really is about the conversations they had that weekend, and some of it's just ordinary things that three colleagues would talk about. But eventually, they get to the important things in life, mm-hmm. and and uh, and by the end of this vacation weekend, the pagan man Cecil is converted to Christianity. It's a remarkable story, and I yeah. believe that that it's a it's a window into that period where we see how most of the conversions from paganism took place during that time. Uh, because they, you had to have this foundation of trust, which colleagues would have. You had to have a lot of things in common. You had to have conversation going where this would come up naturally. 
So what we see is friendship as the foundation for evangelization and then conversion. Awesome. Well, uh, if you're just tuning in right now, Mike Aquilina talking about his newest book, Friendship and the Fathers, How the Early Church Evangelized. And we'll talk more about this book and and how it uh, can help us today uh, evangelize in the church. So stay tuned with us on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do not be afraid. These are words that are echo throughout sacred scripture from our Lord, uh, from God speaking to his people, especially acute in the pontificate of St. John Paul II. These words really encourage us to have hope and to be vulnerable, especially in the area of prayer with our Lord, uh, that he who is totally vulnerable with his Father encourages us and invites us and sets an example for us, for ourselves in prayer. So many times as a priest, I've heard people say, I shouldn't say this or that to the Lord because he doesn't deserve to hear this or that from me. With the example that Christ sets for us, uh, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is able to echo what is on his heart and that he even makes a quasi-complaint to his Heavenly Father by saying, take this cup of suffering away from me. Jesus is totally vulnerable in that moment with the Father, expressing what he is experiencing. How can you know for sure that your loved one is in heaven? Well, the short answer is you can't. I'm Father Chris Alar, but you can have confident hope that they are saved because no matter when or how they died, even by suicide, you can pray and make sacrifices now to still help them accept God's final offer of grace. Jesus told St. Faustina, call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. When you pray with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Wow, if you desire heaven for someone, God desires it even more. So do your part to help them get there. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back uh, through the airwaves to St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. Nick Medelsky and Father Jason Kern joining you live. Uh, Mike Aquilina on the phone telling us about his new book, Friendship and the Fathers, How the Early Church Evangelized. And we talked about uh, one beautiful example of that friendship and and how it was used to evangelize people and bring them into the church. And and friendship has always been something that's been important, uh, uh, an important part of evangelization and the Christian message. Um, And uh, it's been an important part of building the church. We have a lot of great examples, not just in the early church, uh, right, Uh, but also I think specifically about St. Ignatius Loyola and uh, St. Francis Xavier, 
how uh, through their friendship, right, uh, set two two men on fire to spread the gospel around the world. Right, so many examples throughout the church's history, and that's why it's uh, it is important for us to have the um, the historical perspective that Mike offers about you know that this is rooted in in the very foundations of Christian life that we can't really evangelize without friendship and relationships. And so Mike's book on the church fathers and how they sought to evangelize through friendship, he gives different examples, different ways that they go about doing this. It's such an important part of of our Christian. In life, and, and it's something that I talk about a lot with, with college students and, and those in Newman centers and, and in my vocations work with seminarians. Like, we need to build support structures of, through friendship. That's where we're going to grow together. That's where we're going to flourish. That's where our lives can have a, a real meaning, right? I remember during the pandemic, the, the great shutdown during the pandemic, mm-hmm. like starting to go, like, okay. I need to make sure that I'm rooted in what's really true and good. I don't know where right. all this is going, but I need to make sure I have the relationships around me that are going to support me through life. And, and that's where Christian friendship does. It, it allows us to see the bigger picture and to kind of keep that perspective. And, and when we're struggling, to, to talk about those struggles, but also to share joy, share life together. And that's, that's what Christian friendship does. It allows us that human flourishing to become what we're made to be in Christ. We do it as the body. We don't do it alone. Nobody can be an island unto himself. And so, Mike, um, you know, you talked about in an example of the book, I think it was maybe chapter two you kind of referenced, but, uh, but what's, what's an impactful friendship you can share with us today? What are you hoping that this book kind of brings forward for your readers as they read about uh, the church fathers and, and evangelization through friendship? Well, if you look through the book, there, there are many examples of friendships. You know, one, one that I think is especially important is, is uh, St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory of Nazianzus. And uh, the reason that's important is because it was a bumpy, rocky, difficult <laughs> friendship. Yep. You know, they were, they were two very different men. You know, Basil was one of these guys who didn't hesitate, you know. He, he just knew what he needed to, to, to do, and he went ahead and did it, you know. And, uh, and he was a very decisive man. You know, Gregory was very different. Gregory liked to brood on things for a long time. He liked to be alone. He liked to write poetry. He wasn't a man of action. He wanted to be a contemplative. And yet he found himself kind of pressured into accepting holy orders, first as a priest and then as a bishop. Both times he did it, you know, he, he went in willingly, but later on he resented it, you know. He, he was kind of emo that way. <laughs> he, would, he, he would be passive-aggressive afterward. Um, and he would... Um, you know, and he held these things against Basil because he, because he thought that Basil, you know, put undue pressure on him uh, to to take these steps in his life. Now, these steps in his life made possible some of the great, the great events in Christian history in that time. You know, he was he he oversaw the the Council of Constantinople. He wrote some of the greatest works in the history of theology. So so uh, so I don't think we should follow him in faulting Basil. At the same time, we have to recognize what can happen in a friendship when, when we have two very different personalities. What they show us, though, is that you persevere, you endure, you stick together, you work things out, you talk about things, rather than just simply push the unfriend button, push the block button, and get that person out of your life. It's such a different approach to friendship than we, than we experience today. You know, we have other figures in the book, too, like St. Augustine, who lived friendship in an open and warm and expansive way and lived very happy lives as a result. Yeah, absolutely. So there's plenty of 
plenty of examples, and and of course that Saint Basil the Great, Saint Gregory, Nancy Anzin is a is an example of friendship very near and dear to my heart as a Ukrainian Catholic. Uh, we yeah. venerate them a great deal. So that's uh, right from the start. You know, two out of the three holy hierarchs and the Cappadocian Fathers and all that. So uh, very heavy hitters theologically, but also um, on that evangelization and that friendship front, right? And in, in uh, confirming yeah. each other in the faith, and and like you said, sometimes friendship isn't easy. And they're a good example of that as well. And Basil having to challenge, you know, and poke (laughs) St. Gregory a little bit, you know, to keep him going. So that's a great example to to bring to to people, especially in today's day and age, where we want everything to be simple, straightforward, and, and nice and easy. You know, one of the questions it raises for me, Mike, is, you know, around just some of our divisiveness in our culture, right? We can't be friends with someone we disagree with. Uh, and, and, and in fact, as you kind of said, we block them and all these things. You know, another, like, people will mute them. How do we overcome those odds, right? How does this affect us today, in other words? How do we bridge gaps and build relationships with people that we disagree with or that we sometimes struggle with? Or, and, and maybe you can speak right from the book, another example or something, but, um, but how do you recommend to our listeners to keep the doors open towards friendship and relationships rather than making issues, even though there are, we have to take the truth seriously, but how do we uh, remember the person in front of us and create uh, a relationship that, that dignifies them rather than treats them as if they are just a, a someone who is against us in some way? Well, one, one way is very simple, and that is to spend more time with the person actually in front of us rather than mediated through uh, some social, uh, social platform, you know, online. Uh, it's important to spend time together. And if you can't spend time together because of the various contagions that are out there right now, well, then get on the phone and have a conversation, a back and forth that way, where you can interrupt one another and you're not kind of stepping on each other. Um, we're, we're losing the capacity for conversation. You know, the, the, the you know, constant joke among parents in my generation is that they'll call their children, the children won't pick up the phone, but the, you know, they'll text them and they'll get an immediate response. Yeah. You know, people don't want to have conversations because mm-hmm. conversations last long. You know, they're inefficient. They're sprawling. <laughs> they take time. They take your attention. Well, it's all worth it. It's all worth it because that's how we get deeper into each other's lives. The fathers of the church knew this. When they could not have that face-to-face, well, then they took time to write letters. It's a very slow medium, but it worked very well for them. And there have been so many uh, friendships through letters down through history that are edifying if we, if we look at them. So, yep. so, yeah, step back. Don't go for the immediate gratification in friendship, you know, the high-five online. Uh, go for a high-five in real, in real time and in person. Amen. Yeah, and you know, I think about like w- the World War II stories where they, couples would write back and forth and how much they cherished those letters to the day they died. You know, like mm-hmm. those things created... And, and it took months to get them, <laughs> you know, at least a month. And so it, yeah. sometimes, you know, they never knew if the person ever got it even in those things. And so it, it's inspiring to me to, to realize, like, actually those things have such a much greater impact because it's so much more personal. It's so yeah. much more relational. It's so much more intentional. And those things matter so much in our lives. And so when we struggle with our own loneliness or isolation or feeling like we don't know who to reach out to, well, it just begins by, by taking the risk, right? We have to risk something of ourselves. We have yeah. to give ourselves to other people. That's what we're asking for is, is to build community, build relationships, take opportunities to spend time in intentional ways. 
I remember another uh, little example of a guy who was he was out um, they were out surfing in, in California. I heard this on his podcast, and he, he was with an, a, a friend of his. And the guy turns to him and says, "I just don't know how to how to get happiness." And he's like, "We were we were hitting perfect waves. Everything was great." And he's like, "What are you talking about? Like this is it? You know, this is it. We're doing it together right now." <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and and that's just part of the reality of our lives. We're looking for something outside of us, and uh, and th- that's true. God has a purpose and a desire to draw us to himself, um, but it happens often in relationship with other, others that we can meet those, those deeper needs of the human yes. heart. Yes. You know, we see that so much in St. Augustine's life, which, uh, which, I, which I highlight in the book. Um, at every point in his story, he's in the company of friends, and his friends are shaping his activity. His friends are helping to shape his thought. Uh, you know, from, uh, he lost uh, a friend to, to death at a, a very early age, and this was one of the right. formative experiences that he talks about in his confessions. And then at the climax of the confessions, he's among friends when he, when he, uh, he thinks his way. And, and, and really converses his way into the Catholic faith. He's working out these, these problems, he's working out these ideas in the company of friends. And that's how so much of life is designed to take place. That's how, so, that's how we're designed as, as humans. This is how God made us, to work things out in conversation with people we trust. That's friendship. Exactly, it's and and that's where life is truly formed, and and our hearts are, our hearts are made for those relationships, right? And you know we think of the famous John Paul II and Second Vatican Council quotes that uh, that we're made to make a gift of ourselves, and we can't yeah. truly know ourselves until we make that gift of ourselves, and and that's the reality. And we can't know Christ until we give ourselves to Him in trust. Well, we can't know uh, authentic relationships without that self-giving love, and friendship is is the way that we do that. Obviously, marriage as the supreme form of friendship yeah um, but but at the same time every day we have to live those lives our, our lives are lived uh, in that self-giving love so it's yeah. a beautiful reality to, to reflect on so where can we uh, either purchase the book or, or uh, consider making that 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 purchase so that we can learn more about the, the fathers and what they taught about friendship well yeah you can usually find my my books at the best price at um, catholicbooksdirect.com catholicbooksdirect.com uh, uh, they're they're all there, and I have my own page there, uh, so you can you can usually find it there. I also recommend going to your local Catholic bookstore because uh, because they're not in this for the money, uh, but the money sure helps. Uh, they're they're the people who are evangelizing in real time. Uh, every day they're open. Yeah, and so Mike Aquilina is the executive vice president for the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. That's a research center based in Steubenville, Ohio, and he writes these beautiful books, uh, often on the patristics, the church fathers, and giving us such a, a powerful witness and example. Uh, any final thoughts that you have for us today, Mike, on, on this or anything else? No, just that I recommend that people go deep in history because it really does change your life and it makes, it makes the, the present time more bearable. You see that we've been through so many things before and we pulled through them with our Christian faith and we really have so little to worry about. This is in God's hands. History is in God's hands. You get so much reassurance when you go deep in history. Amen. In such a fractured society where we live in this sense that we always have to know the problems and all the things that are in front of mm-hmm. us, right? The internet, the news media, constant cycle of information. Uh, it, it's in authentic relationships where life is born and manifest. And so that's what we just want to encourage people. Take the time to build those relationships in your life that are going to feed you and foster your growth in Christ and your growth with others. 
Absolutely. Well, uh, after the break, we'll talk a little bit about uh, National Vocations Awareness Week as we have the Vocations Director here with us. Thank you, uh, Mike, for joining us this morning. Uh, Stay tuned with us on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 